Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Haig Balian, and I'm with Mark Dreyer, the China Sports Insider, and this is the China Sports Insider podcast. Today on the show, the Tokyo Olympic Games, lots of gold for China, but also some losses. Uh, crazy, crazy diving competition that, Mark, you're going to talk about. Yep. And, and no fans in the stands. What does that mean for Beijing 2022? Mark, what is the China Sports Insider podcast? I think we want to talk about anything that has both some sort of China plus sports angle. If it's just China, then it's not going to be relevant to, to, to people listening from outside. If it's just sports, there's plenty of people who have their NBA podcasts. So it has to have, it has to tick a China box, has to tick a sports box. And after that, anything goes. All right. So let's get to it. Um, so yesterday uh, in the Olympics, the biggest story was actually Simone Biles uh, dropped out of the team competition in gymnastics. Well, how does that have a China angle? You had this really interesting thread on Twitter about the uh, Chinese synchronized diving champions. What, what do they have to say? Well, okay, here's, here's the way I was looking at this. So Simone Biles, she had an injury, but it wasn't quite clear if it was physical or whether she, her head just wasn't in the game. And she made some very, very honest comments about, you know, having having uh, some, some mental health issues, I guess, and just wanting to, to be right and not, not to, to, to be fair to and true to her teammates. If she wasn't feeling it, she wanted to kind of take herself out. And yeah. she'd also talked about the age. And one of the big things in gymnastics, and this has been controversial for years and years and years, there used to be a minimum for 14 for women's gymnastics. Then it was up to 15. It's now at 16. Some people even say it should be higher. The general reasons for this are that uh, younger athletes are, are supposedly more fearless. They don't really have great um, recognition and perception of, of what kind of injuries they could get in training. So they're, they're almost braver than they than they should be, perhaps. So it, it's kind of brought in for safety reasons. There's also a psychological element as well, I think. And that's where I was sort of, you know, thinking from, from Simone Biles. Then I sort of looked at earlier in the day the two Chinese women who won gold in the women's 10-meter platform synchro diving, they're 15 and 17. They are kids. Not only are they teenagers, but they are very, very young. They look and sound very young. They've been both been diving for two years. They've been winning international gold medals from the age of 13 in one of their cases. So young. So their names, just just for the record, they're uh, Zhang Yi. 
Zhang Jiaqi, who's 17, and Chen Yuxi, who's 15. Yeah. So young. Yeah. Now, this is uh, it's absolutely fine. There's, there's absolutely no issue with, with kind of like uh, having, uh, you know, younger athletes. Uh, this is something that China has done very, very successfully. But they spoke also very refreshingly after their, their, their gold medal. And it was so dominant. They won by more than 50 points. I mean, yeah. it was just incredible. Um, and they talked about the changes that they're going through as they grow up. Yeah. They basically start as girls, diving at the very top level, winning gold medals. And then they have to adapt as their bodies are developing. They're both still pretty small. And I'll give you one example that I noticed from, from 2008. It was the same event, the women's 10-meter synchro platform. The two girls for, that won a goal for China there, they were both listed as four foot six inches, right? Then they've, uh, they've both since retired. It was a while ago. They uh, respectively, I think, have grown eight and 11 inches each. So that gives you a sense of kind of where they were in their, in their physical growth when they're winning Olympic gold. Now, as I said, it's not, you know, I'm not making any judgment on that should or right. shouldn't, but it's just going through those changes is, is sort of significant. And I think Simone Biles was, you know, she talked about, well, it's different for me at this age and so on. And, and just some interesting questions there. Yeah, definitely. So, so in terms of how China has been doing at yeah. the Olympics, as of this morning, and we're talking on the 28th of July, they've won 10 gold, 23 medals in total. That's pretty much on track with expectations. Yes. Yeah. I would say, I mean, there's a real great three-way battle. China started on top, and there's a real three-way battle at the moment between the U.S., Japan, and China. Yeah. Now, I don't think anyone is predicting anything other than a, a, a pretty comfortable U.S. win by the end of it, and China should finish in second. So, as you said, predictions are on track. But the way the schedule is is uh, arranged, China typically does better at the beginning. The U.S. finishes strong. So that's th- those those places will will kind of sift out as we go through. Yeah, I'm sure as soon as the athletics or the track and field events start, it's just going to be USA. But actually, the one they won uh, today in the rowing, I thought, well, that was very impressive because this is one of the sports that China has been trying to get better at since 2008. Um, And it hasn't had any success. They won one rowing gold medal in 2008, none since. And today they won their second ever one. Now, Sir Steve Redgrave, uh, any uh, English... Uh, listeners will be very familiar with him, five-time uh, gold medalist, uh, just an incredible uh, athlete. And he is the high-performance uh, high director of China's Olympic rowing program. So he's been with the team for two to three years now and finally having some success, which is great to see. All the hard work paying off. That is fantastic to see. Now, one of the events that you noted was the di- this diving competition. That was absolutely insane. What What happened? Well, apologies if it's if it's my uh, UK or, or Team GB bias here, but it was Tom Daly who actually is very popular in China because he di- uh, he was diving as I believe uh, he was, uh, let me fourteen year old I think in Beijing back in two thousand eight, and this is his fourth Olympics, and he finally won a gold medal. Now it was the ten meter uh, synchro platform dive. And, of course, it was up against uh, the Chinese. And they were way out ahead. And it was very, very close. But Daly and his uh, partner, Manny Lee, absolutely nailed their last dive. And it was quite interesting. I've, I've watched this on different uh, platforms, different coverage from the different uh, international TV stations. And in the UK, the, the co-commentator, who's a, who's a former diver, when Daly and his partner did their final dive, he said, yes, 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 yes. That is the gold medal right there. That is the gold medal. 
And it turned out it wasn't that close. Basically, the Chinese needed an unbelievable dive. They needed 102 uh, points, and they got, I think, 101.5. I mean, it was razor-thin, oh. the margin. Um, in, the, in, the, in the event, the, the commentator was right. It was Olympic goals, but, but you could see the faces on the British diver. And it was good to see the camaraderie. They were congratulating each other. The Chinese divers actually said well done to, uh, to, to the Brits. And so that was really good to see, even though there's going to be crushing disappointment for China because they're just expected to win all eight diving golds and all the table tennis golds and, and so on. So um, speaking of, I was watching the mixed doubles table tennis yes. on CCTV yes. between China and Japan, and it was the top two seeds going at it. China was 2 nothing up, and then Japan came back for 3-2, and it's best of seven, so first to four. China then rallied to, to force uh, a deciding seventh set, which Japan then won. And it was an incredible game. And it was so painful to me just to see empty stands. I mean, this would have been Ugh. the event of the Tokyo Olympics for the home crowd. Well, we're going to talk about that later on in, in terms of the empty stands. But um, in terms of the losses, I mean, that was the first time China had lost a, a table tennis final since 2004. But this was actually a debut event wasn't it yeah it was it was the first time they've had the mixed doubles it was such a great event i really love it i'm i'm just sorry they haven't had this earlier there was one small note that i'll mention as soon as the game finished almost within 30 seconds cctv ended their broadcast yeah there's no like okay we lost you know let, let's have a little post-mortem or a debrief i guess they just kind of assume that people don't want to to see chinese defeats because they're so used to olympic gold but for me part of what makes a win special is kind of going through those defeats. You know, I, I, it's a bit too strong to say, you know, CCTV's kind of like being a bad loser. But, like, you know, part of being a good winner is is to know how to accept defeat gracefully as well. And it wasn't quite, you know, hey, they could have been up against their broadcast uh, schedules and timings. Uh, there were probably other considerations as well. But, you know... Just a bit different, I suppose. Definitely. And, you know, coming from uh, the Canadian point of view, listen, we're used to losing at the Summer Olympics. So we're used to seeing all these disappointed athletes. So, you know, it's kind of surprising to hear. You mentioned Canada. There was a really nice uh, uh, swimming race between a Canadian and a Chinese. This was the women's 100-meter butterfly between Maggie McNeil from Canada and Jiang Yufei from China. Now, there's some other people in the field as well, but they were considered the kind of the two biggest contenders. McNeil is the world champ, but Zhang Yufei had the, the quickest time in qualifying, the fastest time this year, and they were kind of going head-to-head. Now, really interesting note, Maggie McNeil, even though on the Olympic website she's listed as being born in London, Ontario, she was actually born in China and adopted. She's abandoned as a child, and she was adopted by her Canadian family. And she was talking about this, and, and uh, in fact, both athletes were talking about this. So Maggie McNeil actually won the Olympic gold. But on the, the side story, she sort of said, look, I, I was born in China, but I've always been Canadian. And Jiang Yufei said, well, yeah, I got to know her two years ago when, when she won the World Championships. And because she's Chinese, I don't know if she speaks Chinese, but she, she feels like family. It was just a really nice comment. Now, let's talk about a couple of high-profile uh, team losses. Uh, so the Chinese women's football team. Now, in 1999, I believe, they made it to the World Cup final yep. against the U.S., it's been pretty much downhill since then. At these games, uh, they lost 5-0 to Brazil. They drew 4-4 with Zambia. And then last night, they lost 8-2 against the Dutch. And they're out. Yeah. What happened? Okay, well, I'm going to start by giving the Chinese women a little bit of credit because 
they have more than two-thirds of the entire Chinese team. A large reason for that is because in most of the team sports, so we've got volleyball, you've got soccer, um, a few of the other ones as well, they've actually qualified and the men haven't. So you've got large uh, female Chinese contingents going to Tokyo at least to compete. So, you know, first step is actually to get there. But yeah, in the soccer, it was desperately disappointing. Zambia have had a fairy tale run to qualify for the Olympics, but they're still ranked 104th in the world. They lost to the Dutch 10 uh, 3. China lost 8 2. So basically, it was kind of the, the results were consistent. Zambia, I believe, only lost 1 0 to the Brazilians. So they ended up doing, doing much better and finished above China uh, at the end of the result, uh, end of the table. So. Pretty disastrous there. Yes, it was a tough group, but they were all tough. Um, they should have just been doing better than that. Well, okay. So what what's going on with Wang Shuang? Like she she's the star of the team, right? And she used to play for PSG, uh, but she's she came back to China to to prepare. What what's the story there? She was recalled. She was playing for one of the best teams in the world, uh, in in uh, in Europe, uh, PSG in in Paris, and you know, playing with some of the best players. And so that's the best way to develop. Like, we, this is not a secret. But of course, the Olympics trumps everything when it comes to, to sports and officialdom here in China. So they recalled her two years ago ahead of the 2020, as we then thought, Olympics, because they thought, well, she needs to practice with her team. I mean, that's not going to help Wang Shuang. Perhaps it might help her teammates, you know, but but it's, it's just short-sighted. Now, there is another player uh, who's just signed with uh, with Tottenham ladies in, in the UK, one of China's uh, uh, top talents, Jiang Jiali. So, you know, this is not a, a strategy they're completely abandoning. But, you know, you recall someone presumably to, 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 to make the team better and then you have these results. Well, you have to say it completely failed. Well, I mean, hopefully things are going to look up later on. But I, I just, just with the world getting stronger and stronger, I mean, China really has to step it up with 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 football, and it just I don't see it right now. And the world is noticing. I saw the tweet from from soccer writer Grant Wall, who who noted that what happened with with Chinese football. So yeah. it's a question that really needs. Uh, there's both, there's I think there's it's a, it's a you know it's hours long answer there, but, but there's yeah. both short term and long term reasons for that. But on the uh, the other women's team that's also been a bit disappointing, probably the most famous team in all of China right now, that's the women's volleyball team. They won an incredible Olympic gold in Brazil four years ago, five years ago, of course. Uh, and that really united the, the, the nation at, the, at watching the Olympics back from, from here in China. It was towards the end of the Olympics. Now, their coach is Lang Ping, who's a huge name in the, in the sport. She's actually coached the, the U.S. team as well. Um, now, the good news is, because they're 0-2 right now, they were also, they lost two games in group play in uh, in Rio and then bounced back. Right, right, And actually, right. we saw it in the men's. The Brazil's team um, also went, went you know, two, had two losses in group play. But basically, they've lost in straight sets to Turkey. I know. And to the Americans, even though the American game was very, very close, uh, despite, despite the 3-0 scoreline. So they really need to turn it around because... This is going to be pretty devastating for China. And, and I say that because it's genuinely quite hard to really unite behind a weightlifter or a shooter. People you don't know, people you don't really, sports you don't really care about. People love volleyball here. They know the players. Ju Ting is a huge star. Lang Ping, the coach, huge star. So there's real pull, pulling uh, people pulling for that team. And so 
it would just be a lot more of a crushing defeat than something in, in like I said, one of these other more niche Olympic sports. And, and I was just sort of thinking, you know, like a, a sport like shooting, a sport like swimming, it's over. It, it's, it starts and ends like really, really quickly. But yeah. uh, but a tournament like volleyball yeah. it just sort of builds and builds and builds. And you really correct you know, does to sort of get to a crescendo. Now, you mentioned Zhu Ting. She is really known as the best player in the world. She was China's flag bearer, one of, one of them anyway, at the opening ceremonies. Is she injured? Well, she was benched towards the uh, latter stages of that opening loss to Turkey. And Lang Ping was asked about it and said she, she had a wrist injury. Um, and she was later seen with some strapping on her wrist. She seemed to be back to full strength against uh, against the Americans. So I don't think it was serious, but she just wasn't on it. Right. And uh, some of her opponents were saying, yeah, I've never seen her play like that. When she's firing, she's she just leads, leads the team. This is the opponents talking but you know, she was she was just having. Turkey said, "Look, we had the best day ever, and they clearly had one of their worst days ever." So they appreciate, um, you know, the 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 difference there. But uh, times pretty much run out. They need to. I think they probably have to win their remaining three games in the group to, well, to, to get through. It looks Possibly like it. I not. mean, it's a pool of six. Yeah. The top four get go through. Yeah. Um, their next match is against Russia or the Russian team. I'm yeah. not sure even how yeah. to. <laughs> Russian Olympic <laughs> Committee. The ROC. Yeah. Uh, rolls off the tongue. Um, so, yeah, you know, you know, they probably will qualify for the next round, but they've just put themselves in a hole. But, of course, these are the COVID games. Anyone who watches sees the all those empty stands uh, in the U.S. The ratings have not been great. And some people say that it's because there's not that there's, you know, the, the stands are empty and, and it really affects the um, the at home experience. We don't have to get into everything that's been happening in in Tokyo, uh, but we should ha- talk about how that might affect Beijing 2022, which is coming in less than 200 days. And according to a Reuters story, Juan Antonio Summers Jr., who has the IOC's coordination commission that oversees preparations for the games, said, you know, we want to have fans in the stands in Beijing. I mean, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen. What, what do you think? Like, is that going to is that is that even realistic? Well, it's not trending in the right direction, that's for sure. I mean, I, I was, you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago that Japan Unfortunately, for, from the Chinese perspective, or from my perspective of the Beijing 2022 Olympics, kind of lowered the bar in what's in what's expected because there are no fans whatsoever. So right. if China is able to have any fans, then everyone will say, well, they've done a better job. And that's kind of one of the targets you would think for the Chinese leadership to basically outperform uh, Tokyo and Japan and to show that they can handle the epidemic better. Uh, safety, of course, is the number one priority. Uh, And I think that's where it kind of contradicts, you know, there's the organizing committee trying to put on a big event. And there's also other people who are thinking like, well, why are we taking any risks whatsoever? Those two things aren't necessarily directly compatible. I still don't understand how Japan allowed unvaccinated athletes to compete. It doesn't make sense to me. And I just don't think, I mean, I know the IOC rules are that, you know, the, you have to let these athletes in. I just don't see that happening here in Beijing. Um, it's the capital and it's China and China is not going to, I mean, I just don't think China is going to uh, allow that to happen. And, and if, and if there's going to be fans in the stands, I really believe that, and I'm speculating here. I mean, I, I admit it. I'm speculating. I don't think China's going to allow unvaccinated athletes and coaches and support staff and media to come into the country unvaccinated it's just not going to happen i don't think that they actually are able to force people to be vaccinated to come in 
and they're not allowed to force athletes at the very least to do quarantine. So what they're going to have to do is have a super tight bubble and almost have two countries. So you'll have your mini Olympic region where people fly in and go straight into it and they get tested every day and, and they get kicked out and sent home if they test positive. Uh, but then that's going to make it very difficult to even allow domestic fans right now because they're going to be outside this bubble. I think from the IOC's point of view, they've made it clear that China can't mandate quarantine for the athletes. But, and they can strongly encourage people to get vaccinated. But then it's you've got countries you know, talking about it's a human rights issue and so on. So you get into difficult territory. You can't have it both ways. You cannot say... You know, you can allow people to uh, to come in unvaccinated and have people in the stands. It's just that those two things just do not fit yeah. together. So, I, I, you know, we're we're gonna see. But I, I just right. If you'd asked me, say a month or two ago, I, I'd say yeah, definitely. You know, the world is getting getting itself in order. People are starting to get vaccinated. Maybe things are will be better in you know two, you know five six months when whenever the um, Olympics are going to be. But but now with the COVID, sorry, with the Delta variant and you know things just it's it's just things aren't as where we want them to be. And I just don't think that's going to happen. I would say a couple of things. There's obviously been a number of cases in Tokyo, and we've sort of see the headlines, and it's up to you know Olympic related. It's kind of 150 or so on uh, COVID cases. But there haven't, hasn't been a, any huge high-profile incidents. I think that has certainly helped so far, still early in the games, of course. Uh, but there haven't been any star athletes who've tested positive and, and gone uh, or sort of been kicked out or something like that. So, so that's definitely been a bit of a win, I think, given, given how low the bar was. I think in terms of, you know, we're lucky enough to be in Beijing right now. I was super excited about basically seeing as many Olympic events as I could next year. Me too. Right now, I'm just worried about seeing anything i know um one compromise i could see and again it changes week to week it really exactly. does but sure. perhaps for the outdoor snow events it might be easier to allow spectators to kind of stand on the side of the ski hills and cheer from there where there's less risk of of any transmission or contact whereas if you're watching an ice hockey game or a curling game inside a closed venue even if you're quite far away there still could be you know stuff in the atmosphere and so on and so I could maybe see a, a bit of a distinction there. I hope that at least, you know, Chinese fans are able to go and watch their own Olympics just from a purely sporting point of view. But, uh, you know, who's, who, who can Well, say they paid for point? it. I mean, they should be able to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so, so let's end with Boycott Watch. So overnight, there was a story about um, in the U.S., uh, the American politicians grilled uh, all these American executives uh, like Airbnb, Coca-Cola, Intel, Procter & Gamble about their sponsorship with the IOC. Um, one of the senators, uh, Republican Senator Tom Cotton, who's a China hawk, um, he called the hearing one of the most pathetic and disgraceful hearings in which I've participated in my eight years in Congress. So, Mark, we talked about this uh, a few months ago. As soon as the Tokyo Games end, and now, of course, obviously, the Tokyo Games are happening right now. As soon as the Tokyo Games are over, there is going to be a red-hot focus on China. And this is just a taste. Yeah, I, I mean, it was pretty predictable. I, I don't really know what the politicians were expecting the companies to say. Uh, I don't really think that the, the companies were in a position where they could kind of make any statements. They were pretty clear. They said, look, we support the athletes. We don't specifically sponsor a particular games they sponsor the olympic movement over a number of olympic cycles in most cases and so it's kind of this back and forth tom i'm not going to get into politics too much but you know tom Con possibly over exaggerating i think he's probably like for most meetings he's yeah he's in um but yeah it was i i would say on the positive side in terms of in terms of like that negative spotlight 
Um, if that makes if that even makes sense, <laughs> yeah, I think it uh, makes sense. There was another uh, hearing about the the you know the the storming of the Capitol at the same time that was getting far more of the focus. I was actually yeah. watching this thing on YouTube. Three hundred and fifty people apparently, according to the live stream. So it didn't get a huge amount of attention, uh, and of course, people are talking about the Olympics. So uh, it probably was a little bit under the radar for now. Uh, but like you said, as soon as Tokyo wraps up, people are going to start to uh, start to, to kind of focus on Beijing, and there's going to be pressure uh, for people in various different um, you know sides to to make statements and and pretty inflammatory statements on on both sides. There'll be a reaction from the Chinese side as well, so it's not going to be pretty. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, we're kind of in a, in a fairly difficult time when it comes to uh, this 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 side of things. And we will be talking about it we will. on the China Sports Insider podcast. Mark, let's leave it there. Uh, so for more on these and other stories, uh, head to chinasportsinsider.com. That is Mark's website. You can also follow Mark on Twitter. He's at DryerChina, D-R-E-Y-E-R China. I'm Haig Balian. You can find me on Twitter too at Haig Balian. That's H-A-I-G-B-A-L-I-A-N. Thank you for listening. We'll be back very soon, probably next week. Thanks, Mark. Thanks.